0: Welcome back to another episode of the Passionate Stewardship Podcast, a podcast for helping professionals who strongly believe in supporting their community and the humans who live there. I am your host, Dr. Sherry. I hope you all are having a good week so far and everybody's back in school and at least having a good couple, what, first week for here in Eastern North Carolina and maybe first, second week, maybe even month wherever you are listening, but I hope everyone's doing okay. So last week, we started our series, so you want to start a nonprofit, really? And we briefly, you know, just started to dig a little into your why you want to start a nonprofit, and if you're still steadfast in that decision, and before we get into the internal stuff, like all the... IRS and all that kind of stuff, I want to stay focused on you for a moment. Yeah, you, the person who wants to start a nonprofit. You know, I'm focusing on you during these past two episodes because as a consultant, I've noticed that many people come up with, I mean, fantastic ideas, but haven't thoroughly thought through their reasons for wanting to pursue a nonprofit or Maybe they aren't strong in certain areas needed to successfully establish and run one. And speaking from firsthand experience as an executive director in my daytime life, honey, it is a hard position to be in sometimes. While some of my clients in my consulting life have been able to improve on the skills needed to run a nonprofit, and make their nonprofits, I mean, thrive. You know, others have struggled because they just didn't want to change their mindset and receive the support that I offered or that their mentors wanted to offer to do the not so fun stuff that comes along with running a nonprofit organization. Starting nonprofits can be fulfilling experiences. But it's crucial to plan carefully and consider all factors, including the who, and that's you, or maybe it's not. If you're thinking of starting a nonprofit, it's essential to reflect on certain qualities that you possess. So, as always, grab your notebooks, because we're going to take some notes. Do you possess the passion and the commitment? You know, having a genuine passion for the cause of your nonprofit. Like, are you genuinely passionate about the area that your nonprofit will serve? Not the geographical area, but the focus area that your nonprofit is addressing. Nonprofit work can present challenges and setbacks. So your dedication and commitment are essential for overcoming those obstacles. I mean, it ain't always pretty. There are so many successes that make it all worth it, that make all the mess worth it. But sometimes some of the stuff can be so heavy that sometimes you think like, I got to remind myself why I'm doing this. So are you up for those moments? Do you have a clear mission and vision for your organization? It is vital to create a mission statement that clearly defines your organization's purpose and goals, and we'll get into that in another episode, but this will guide your decision making and activities toward a well-defined vision for your organization. Do you fully understand your why? Like seriously, have you ever journaled about it? Have you ever just... Took some intentional time, just you and your thoughts, and just journaled about it. It's essential to conduct thorough research and understand the issue your nonprofit organization aims to address. Deeply comprehending the problem is crucial in designing practical solutions and strategies. Are you authentically invested in addressing? this issue, are you authentically invested in addressing your why? Have you done your due diligence? Have you done your research? Do you possess fair and effective problem-solving abilities? Listen, nonprofit organizations frequently face crazy issues. Some of this stuff you just can't even make up. And having excellent problem-solving skills can aid in navigating the obstacles, adjusting to shifting situations, and discovering creative solutions. Like sometimes you almost have to remove yourself from it, if that makes any sense. So for example, a little funny story. Sometimes when all of us are together, so my husband and all of our kids are together, My husband has this thing that when he laughs, if it's real, real funny, he'll start slamming on the table. And my husband has, I told him sometimes, like, you don't understand your your force. Like, I'm afraid you're going to break something. And he'll say, let me grab that little man back because he's trying to hold himself back. That little man, that's that man that sometimes... You got to hold him back because that's the person that you don't want to respond. You want the reserved person to respond. You want the clear-headed person to respond to an issue. When you need to show up for your folks at work, if you are a person that will pop off about a situation, you can't do that in a situation within your organization, You have to be the clear-headed one. You have to be the rational one. You have to be the logical one. Do you possess these fair and effective problem-solving abilities? Can you take yourself out of a situation and show up for your folks and show up for your organization and navigate hard, tough situations and respond effectively? It's important. It's really, really important because how you would respond sometimes in your personal life to a situation, you can't be at work responding to situations like that. Next, are you familiar with leadership styles? And do you possess leadership skills? Now, do I believe that some of these things can be taught? Absolutely. Are you open to learning? As the founder of an organization, that meaning you, it is imperative that you take charge of your organization and you motivate others to join your mission. Like you got to get others excited about what you're about to do. You have to get others on your team. You need to make people believe that what you are getting ready to do for your community is one of the best things that your community has ever seen. You must possess strong leadership abilities to create a driven team and direct your organization to success. Organizations have to be sustainable and they have to have stability. And that has a lot to do with their leader. As a human service professional and leader, and being heart centered, it's at the core, in my opinion of human service work and nonprofit work. Heart-centered leadership, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, heart-centered leadership is a compassionate and values-driven approach that prioritizes empathy and decision-making. It involves a thorough understanding of the organization's mission, the community's needs, and the well-being of others. There are also other different levels or different leadership styles, if you will. So it's important that you know those leadership styles because maybe you say, "Mm, I don't know if I'm a heart-centered leader. And that's okay if you're not. That's my leadership style. You might be a servant leader. You know, a servant leadership style is one that leads with a servant's heart. I kind of resonate with a servant leader as well. In essence, this type of leader primarily focuses on addressing the needs of their employees and customers. The next is a democratic leader. This style encourages participation and collaboration amongst team members. I can be that person also. Then you have an authoritative leader. This style requires explicit power over an organization or group. Now, I'm finna tell you, this is not going to work in nonprofit work. It's not. And I know this from personal experience. This is not going to work. I have been under these types of leaders and these types of leaders will have your organization with a high, high turnover rate. These types of leaders, in my opinion, and if you disagree, that's okay, but in my opinion, these types of leaders do not thrive in nonprofit settings, particularly nonprofit settings that are human service-based nonprofit settings, and they cause for organizations to have extremely high turnover. Then next, you have a transformational leadership And this style inspires people through their clear vision. Then you have transactional leader. And this style is results driven. And their approach follows a distinct organizational hierarchy. And then you have laissez-faire. And this is kind of hands-off style that gives individuals freedom and control over their jobs. This style can be a gift and a curse. You know, you can be two hands off that everybody can be running amok or this style can work if you trust your team. With this style, I do believe that there still needs to be some accountability there. There still needs to be some supervision. There still needs to be some checks and balances. Then you have the charismatic leader. This style exhibits a dominant style and is driven, influential, and determined to see their life's mission come to fruition. You know, these are all of the different leadership styles. Take a minute, maybe after you listen to this episode, go back again and maybe do a little research on these leadership styles. If you're not sure which one resonates with you, you know, take some time and do a little bit of research. It's important. I believe it's important that everyone adopts a leadership style. So ability to network. Developing connections with people, groups, and potential people who can contribute to your organization can benefit your nonprofit by securing support, resources, and valuable partnerships. And those resources can be monetary or in kind. Ability to communicate effectively. Effective communication, it is essential in conveying your organization's mission, engaging support, and collaborating with stakeholders. This encompasses not just, you know, verbal, but also written and interpersonal communication. Communication is so important, especially if you're going to be that person that's going to be at the forefront of your organization. The following skills can be learned. If one is willing to acquire many new abilities, if you don't possess these or don't know how to go about doing them, then it's okay, but be open to learning. For example, I think I've mentioned this on an episode before, I am very much an introvert. I get really bad anxiety when I'm in a room full of people. I am not that person that will just go up to someone and introduce myself. I, I am terrible at it. Really, really bad anxiety. When most people do meet me, they see this big personality. I laugh a lot. I smile a lot. So they assume that I am an extrovert. I am, I am not. But I've had to learn, one, how to cope with my anxiety. Two, I've had to learn how to be a bit more extroverted when I am out in public, in work settings, because I know it is a requirement of my job. Although I am great when I have to speak publicly, I prefer not to do it. I remember when I was little, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, I am definitely a church kid. I do sing. I don't sing as much anymore, but I used to sing a lot in in church and a lot in school. and. Sometimes I would just bust out crying, like right in front of everybody. The anxiety would be so, so bad. I think they call it stage fright, but the anxiety would be terrible. So I still get that way now. I do have things that help me cope in those moments but I've had to learn how to be more social in larger groups. I've had to learn how to work through some of that anxiety when I am in big groups in social settings. One, I'm a business owner. I had to learn how to do it in order for my business to be successful and in order for my business to thrive. I'm great one-on-one. Like once you make the initial, like I will, I will shake hands, even though I'm weird about people being in my personal space. I don't do hugs. I am big on consent. So please ask me first. I'm a fist bump you in a minute. I dap you up real quick. I will, I am very approachable. I am very pleasant. I'm a hey girl. Hey, how you doing? I am that girl. But also I have a lot of anxiety, but I've had to learn good coping skills in order to be effective in all of my roles. So it's important that you learn how to cope if this is the trajectory for your career. You know, depending on your budget, you can employ individuals to fill any gaps where you feel you may lack as an executive director, as a program director, or in this instance, maybe as the executive director, since it's you who wants to start the nonprofit. However, being truthful with yourself about these shortcomings is so important. It's so important. Don't say you want to do something, but then it falls through the cracks, because that can be the difference between your nonprofit thriving and it not. Organizational and management skills. Managing a nonprofit requires multiple administrative tasks, including financial management, strategic planning, program coordination to maintain efficiency, it is crucial to possess strong organizational and management skills. This is one of my strengths. There are areas of nonprofit management that I'm not as strong in. There are areas that I have had to learn, and I'm still learning some areas. And you also have to always be open to learning. To me, the best professional on any level is one who knows what their strengths are, is willing to learn what they are lacking, but then also knows like mm, has boundaries, you know? Ethical and transparent practices. This is also one of my strengths. As a nonprofit organization, it is essential to uphold high ethical standards, transparency in all aspects of operation, and that's finances, decision making, You know, it is crucial to build trust among your donors, your supporters, and the public. A lot of your stuff, once you are established, will be public information anyway. But it is important that you establish this trust in the beginning. That's how you build support. That's how people don't mind giving you money. That's how people don't mind giving you in-kind donations. So be ethical. Be right. Period. Be honest, period. This is a non-negotiable. This is a non-negotiable for me. I always tell, it's one of our, one of the questions on a funding application I always see. I can't remember what pot of money it is, but the question is, do you mind if during a site visit, we look at your books? Not at all, because we have nothing to hide. There is a receipt that matches every credit card purchase. Every time we are audited every year, our auditor always has good stuff to say about us. I play no games. I run an ethical and very transparent um, organization. And even in my personal business, I am very ethical and I am very transparent. I don't play no games with that kind of stuff because that kind of stuff, Not being ethical and not being transparent, it has consequences. Knowledge of fundraising. Nonprofit organizations usually depend on, you know, donations, grants to fund our activities, comprehending fundraising tactics and grant, knowing the, the basics of grant writing. Maybe you aren't going to be the grant writer, but you should know the basics of grant writing. You should know what a grant writing application looks like. You should know what goes into a grant writing application you know, managing relationships with donors is crucial to ensure financial backing. You should know who your grant monitors are. You should know who is viewing your grant. Even if you are not approved for, say you wrote a grant and you're not approved for a grant, you should call and ask questions. Find out why you weren't approved. It is important to know, again, Maybe you can afford to hire a grant writer. That's great. But you should still read those grant applications. You should still have input in the grant writing. You should still know what a grant writing application looks like because foundation grant writing applications and state and federal funding applications look very different. The writing is different. The way you submit an application is different. You should still know how to do that. For me, this is my opinion. What if your grant writer is out? Do you miss a funding deadline because your grant writer had an unexpected emergency and can't get that application in? Yeah, it's, that money's not going to wait. That submission deadline is not going to change because your grant monitor all of a sudden had an emergency. It's important that you know. And also, I think a lot of times it also depends on the size of your organization. And I can imagine if you are starting a nonprofit, you're not going to be some huge organization. You're going to be a pretty small organization. So it's important that you know these processes. Next is legal and regulatory knowledge. Being familiar with the legal and regulatory requirements for nonprofit organizations in your state is important this includes understanding the laws around your tax exempt status knowing when to register knowing when to report knowing what it means to be in compliance know what it means not to be in compliance you know you must also have knowledge or at least be willing to learn about hr taxes, or other laws that could affect your organization's operations. While it is advisable to always consult with a lawyer, that also may cost. However, some universities and colleges in your area might have pro bono clinics that might have some guidance, might have uh, students that might be able to provide you some guidance, and also they have SCORE offices that also might be able to provide you some guidance. However, it is important that you understand the fundamentals. Adaptability. The world of nonprofit is prone to rapid changes in funding and social norms and the political client. We all know that when there is a change in administration, funding changes. You know what's important to one administration is not important to another administration. Therefore, funding requirements changes. You need to be aware because that can impact your funding. To ensure long-term success, you just need to be able to be adaptable and also be able to modify your strategies. Modifying your strategy, as long as you are staying true to your mission and vision, it's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with that. Have a collaborative attitude. Know that you can't be the be-all and is-all to your community partnering with other nonprofit organizations, with your government agencies, as long as it is not a conflict of your funding, other businesses in your community, because depending on the type of nonprofit that you are running, collaborating with other businesses in your community could mean jobs for your clients. Collaborating with community members, it can significantly improve your organization's impact. In Washington, D.C., they have these community advisory boards called ANCs. It's so important for nonprofits to partner with their ANCs of the wards. That their organization sits in. So, Washington, D.C. is broken down into eight wards. Every ward has an ANC, and there is a, a head of an ANC. It's important that nonprofits in those wards are partnering with, or at least they have relationships with their ANCs and whoever is over the ANC, because those ANCs can then, you know, advocate for stuff maybe on the city level. So it's really important to partner with your community members, with your city council, you know, being open to collaborating with others. It can result in mutually beneficial outcomes. Now, be careful with political stuff. As I mentioned before, as a nonprofit organization, you always have to be nonpartisan. You cannot take on a political side. You can't endorse a political candidate. Now, what you do in your personal life is your business, okay? But as far as you running an organization, you need to keep that to yourself, not make it political, Next is resilience. You know, working in a nonprofit organization, we already, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. This is why the Passionate Stewardship Podcast is what it is. This kind of work is emotionally draining, especially when you are dealing with sensitive and distressing issues and you are dealing with the stuff of other people. You know, developing resilience can help you cope with challenges and continue to work towards achieving the organization's mission. That's why radical self-care is so important. That's why as you are discerning whether or not this is the trajectory for your life, you are building a foundation that will resist burnout culture You are building a foundation that will implement and will ensure that radical self-care is at the forefront of what you are creating for yourself, for your board, for your staff, for everyone. And if you decide to hire LC Consulting and Coaching to help you through this process, That's the premise of our work. Like, We won't work with you unless you are committing to not only radical self-care and resisting burnout culture for yourself, but that we're going into this and we're building a foundation for your nonprofit that we're not doing this. It's not healthy. It's not healthy for you. It won't be healthy for your staff. It won't be healthy for your community. It won't be healthy for your clients. And lastly, measurable impact focus. You know, nonprofit organizations should focus on achieving specific outcomes. It is crucial to develop ways to measure and effectively communicate the impact of your programs to demonstrate their effectiveness. So this means that you, as you are thinking about this, not saying that you have to be a statistician, but you also, but you're gonna have to figure out how to to look at the data and how to read the data if you can't afford to hire a data-driven person or a statistician. You know, starting a nonprofit is a huge responsibility. So now that you've gone through this list, I implore you to review it again and ensure that you, you, you who are listening that want to start a nonprofit that you are ready for this task. Listen, you will not be able to come to the table knowing everything, and that's okay. I didn't, I don't, and I still don't. You should know your why, at least, and you should possess many of the qualities listed here and be willing to learn the areas that you lack. Now, if you're not ready to learn, You may want to revisit whether or not this is the move for you, you know, to increase your chances of success or if you like to process your why or go through this list so you can just feel a little bit more confident in your who, feel free to reach out to me. Okay. All my information is in the show notes. And remember, you can always find me on Instagram because that's my jam. (laughs) And remember... Always, 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 radical self-care is health care and kindness is free. So do me a favor. First, be kind to yourself. Then be kind to somebody else. I love you so much for listening. Until next time. Bye.